Imagine an endless array of three-dimensional experiences all merged into one shared, persistent and immersive virtual universe. The Metaverse. Is it another fad or the next big thing? Well, either way, buckle up. Because in this episode of SAP Experts Podcast, we are off to explore the Metaverse. Which is why my guest today is Carl Dosa, a speaker and thought leader in the Metaverse space explaining what it is, exploring its impact, and supporting people in understanding how they can participate. He is very enthusiastic about the potential of the metaverse as it closely overlaps with his passions from the entertainment industry as well as Web3. Carl has been with SAP for almost seven years, having joined via the German vocational training program in 2015. Since then, he became one of the key people to grow SAP's innovation services and solutions capability, applying intelligent technologies such as distributed ledgers or artificial intelligence to solve our customers' business problems. Subsequently, he built a future-focused strategy for SAP services to better support our customers on their journey to the cloud and was a catalyst for its execution. Currently, as an executive advisor to leaders within the company, Carl is helping COOs to transform their role into a future-focused Chief Anticipation Officer. As always, my name is Akshimola, and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, Carl. I hear that today we are going to avoid into the metaverse. So as we buckle up our seat belts for our voyage, I have a sneaking suspicion, Carl, that this is nothing new for you. And the reason I think so is because your LinkedIn bio already says Metaverse Explorer. Tell us a little bit more. <laughs> yes, of course. And thank you for having me. Uh, look, one of my key passions is the entertainment industry. And with that comes a whole lot of innovations in immersive technologies. So, for example, virtual reality or augmented reality. And on the other hand, I spend a chunk of my time on uh, Web3. For example, distributed ledger technology on certain cases, even cryptocurrency. And I stumbled on this concept of the metaverse. I think it was, well, a couple of months or even years ago and i would i would say almost a year ago and it was the perfect intersection of all of these passions and where before i had this puzzle with all of its different pieces the metaverse was like a handbook on how to put these pieces together in recent times i'm more like an explorer that that tries to understand all the hidden treasures of this concept so searching the internet for content and listening to all the thought leaders and of course also building my own point of view in the end so it's quite exciting to listen to all these future-focused visions. So you, so you could say the Explorer title comes from that. Well, that sounds fantastic to me, but let's keep in mind everybody who is not a digital native and perhaps take a step back and ask the question that is on everyone's mind. And we all kind of know, but not really. And you too started to allude to it with mentioning Web3 and immersive technology. So without further ado, I'm going to ask the question, the elephant in the room. <laughs> what actually is Metaverse? Yes, the age-old question. You would probably find, if you look right now, you'll probably find a billion different answers in the web. 
if you truly want to understand where this word tr comes from, you must go much further back than than the Facebook announcement of uh, renaming themselves to Meta. Because when that happened, suddenly everybody was doing something in the metaverse, and it, it's obscuring the meaning of the word a bit. So mm -hmm. let's look at key thought leaders that have, in fact, existed before that, advocating for the metaverse. And it's all rooted in a novel written in, and that's just amazing, 1992 by Neil Stephenson and was named Snow Crash. I mean, can you imagine that? Uh, 1992, we were still calling the internet an information superhighway. And meanwhile, that guy was thinking about living in a virtual world. You know, th that's such a fantastic point. And that, that is such a great point because sometimes we think about these things and we're like, okay, well, could they have imagined it in that era? And my brain, when you asked me that question, went immediately to Leonardo da Vinci and how he used to come up with these uh, flying concepts. But his flying concepts were just that. They were concepts, right? And it was not until we had the Wright brothers, and some people might argue, well, it wasn't the Wright brothers, but we'll leave it at that. It was not <laughs> much, much later that we actually had a working prototype. But... Before we get into all of that, the fact versus fiction, <laughs> what does this novel have to do with the metaverse as we know it today? Well, I love that idea of, of talking about Leonardo da Vinci in that context. But first, let's get back to the to the book. So Neil wrote a book about this dystopian world uh, and all of our political systems have had quite a dire view, to, to, so to speak. But uh, people are fleeing, basically, in this virtual world. And you guessed it, they named them metaverses. And uh, whilst in the following years, there were also other people and stories about these virtual worlds and dystopian realities and people fleeing into the virtual worlds. I mean, just think about The Matrix in 1999. Right. Probably everybody knows that one. Uh, already Player One, also quite a popular topic uh, these days. Uh, he, he was not only one of the first, but he was also one of the few that actually called it metaverse and not just a simple virtual world. Absolutely. And and he used the word from what I'm hearing from you, the word metaverse, because we often hear the concept of parallel universe. That's another, you know, similar <laughs> kind of thought yes. behind it. And that's I don't want to go into full on Albert Einstein today. We'll keep it light. But yes, I mean, we hear these concepts. And once again, going to that fact versus fiction, reality versus fiction. And to play the devil's advocate, um, Carl, we have seen plenty of science fiction concepts, right? Mm. But then again, well, to my dismay, we don't have a jetpack, a real one, the cool one. We don't have a hoverboard, the <laughs> real kind, the cool kind. So, you know, when, when I think about all of that, um, there are plenty of science fiction concepts. Some become reality. Some remain halfway there, halfway not there, not as cool as what we thought them to be. And some just remain fiction. So where would you say metaverse is on that spectrum? Is it still fiction? A good question. I would say it's beyond that. If, if we look at the space of virtual worlds in which people can interact with one another, we see a pattern of actually real world companies emerging. Uh, we can even go as far back as 2003. Uh, and some people might recall Second Life. I mean, at the time, it was a huge hype around this 3D simulation where you basically envisioned a virtual world like our real world. And to that extent, even many companies owned a space in Second Life. And I recall even SAP, to be honest, owning a space in Second Life. Mm. Eventually, this, this hype died down. And in my opinion, that was mainly due to the fact that Second Life was far too early for its time. And to be honest, if we look at the hardware and software developments in the meantime, back then, you just simply couldn't just virtualize such an immersive world. And then in 2008, there was uh, Roblox a company that enables users to build their own virtual worlds and then yeah. connects them through their platform. 
and it didn't expect a lot of hype for the first decade, but in the last five years, especially during COVID, obviously, it picked up an insane amount of pace. Today, it has over 14 million uh, daily active viewer, uh, viewers and uh, views, I said, users, <laughs> and it's valued at uh, $28 billion roundabout. So I bet most listeners out there that have kids will know it because honestly, so many kids these days spend time in Roblox right. and are leaving some money for virtual items there. Um well, not their money, but their parents' money. <laughs> their parents' money. <laughs> and one more recent case that many might be aware of is Decentraland, uh, founded in 2015. What's special here is that it's not only building a virtual world where creators can own their own space, but it's also done via the blockchain and a decentralization of ownership. I mean, it's pretty much in the name, uh, Decentraland. Exactly. So as you can see, just three examples there, uh, and it's already going on in the real world too. And I could name many more examples, but but let's leave it at that. You know, uh, that's very fascinating when, when I heard you say in 2008, uh, Roblox came into picture. And I actually didn't think about that because I only started hearing that, like you said, during the pandemic when all the cool <laughs> kids were talking about that. And uh, speaking of cool kids, uh, the rock stars of uh, the Gen Z, people like Lil Nas X were having their own concerts on Roblox. That's something that was beyond my imagination. So how does that even work? And you mentioned Decentraland, all of these different uh, lands. So would you say that Metaverse is a combination of these virtual worlds or something beyond that? Yes, I would rather go towards more than that. Um, but we are almost there. So, so just one last step before we can actually arrive at what the Metaverse is. So, so the Metaverse is bigger than these virtual worlds. And they, these virtual worlds have been part of video games for the better part of three decades now. So you could almost say it's super old, a super old concept. Uh, the Metaverse definition gets more clear if we look at the, the some of the thought leaders in the space. Now, one I can highly recommend following is Matt Ball. Uh, he's a venture capitalist from San Francisco, oh. and he's actually the initiator of the biggest Metaverse ETF on the stock market. Uh, he has a brilliant blog series out there that I can only recommend reading through and also a book coming up on the metaverse. And the other big thought leader would be Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic Games, which is the company behind the big yep. game Fortnite and which is a cultural phenomenon. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the, what and is the an ETF really quick? Oh, sorry about that. An ETF, no worries. Um, so an ETF, basically in, in finance, you can either invest into a single stock or an, into an ETF where there is a team behind that and mm. they are researching which companies are active in the space. So basically this company is assembling a list of stocks that I is gotcha. related to the metaverse. So you don't have to do your work on your own. But um, yeah, getting back to the thought leaders. So looking at their definitions and extracting their main points, um, I would arrive at the fact that the metaverse is really meant as this next generation of our internet and how we experience it today. So yes, it interconnects a variety of different immersive 3D experiences like Roblox or like Decentraland or what I named before, right? But additionally, there are three other key aspects. First of all, it is social in nature, meaning that everyone has some shape or form of digital identity, including an inventory of digitally owned items and a virtual representation of oneself, um, so our own digital avatar. And also the metaverse is persistent in state, meaning it's not like an app on your iPhone that you open and close again. Right. 3D experiences in the metaverse are always open. And if you visit somebody's space, or your friend visits your space and changes something, other yeah. people can come at a later point and they see the changes actually happening. Right, right. And lastly, the metaverse will be highly interoperable, which will ultimately fuel a creator economy in which people can create content 
that can be reused in all corners of the metaverse. So to give you my final answer, my final, final answer, the metaverse is basically the future generation of our internet, a network of immersive 3D experiences, social in nature, hmm. persistent in state and interoperable, fueling a creator economy. Wow. And, uh, you know, one thing that really stood out to me when you were saying that was the persistent state aspect. It's like actually going to a place. So, for example, if my native land, India, when I visit there and I come back, the place still exists. Right. And there are other people who go in, make their <laughs> yes. own changes. Another uh, thing I thought about was there's a wall here in Houston and people leave their uh, own one-liners on it that it's called the before i die wall and everybody leaves their mark on it some people draw some people write okay before i die i want to do this this and that so everybody who goes there leaves their mark on that so that's how uh, think of, of metaverse in that sense it's very very fascinating but speaking of fascinating i'm gonna quickly become a buzzkill and i promise i'm not a buzzkill <laughs> oh, and no. i'm actually fun at parties carl i promise but strictly going by the definition that you just gave and our thought leaders uh, are also saying at this moment right now there is no real metaverse correct and in fact we probably are a little way away from that vision what do you have to say correct yeah correct and sadly we are um today in the market i we see nearly everything being named the metaverse a new v, a vr app a new ar app a blockchain initiative a virtual concert everything is the metaverse and that can be quite confusing and in reality uh, these are attempts to ride this hype wave of the metaverse a bit um we're at the peak of a hype cycle and after a phase of disillusionment seeing how far we still have to go how much we have to innovate between hardware and software to do this I think we will achieve this vision of the metaverse 10 years earliest. The only thing one can do for now is basically building towards it, be it by creating solutions in adjacent spaces to build up internal capabilities, and for example, VR, or be it by actually working on open standards that will in the future form the basis of the metaverse with organizations like Kronos Group. That's one organization out there. Absolutely. And you know, when you said that there are so many players, I am already a believer. In fact, uh even without knowing all of that, I was already a believer in this vision. And the reason I am personally, Carl, is because I'm a 90s baby. And in my lifetime, I have seen things become a reality. And second of all, the fact that I grew up in India, right? So in my own lifetime, I saw telephones, landline telephones with that circular dial. And then I also saw in my very lifetimes, the households which never had a desktop computers to go straight to smartphones. And that's how they interact with the internet, right? People who may not have had a very high level of education actually finding livelihood on Fiverr and doing very well for themselves as a gig economy uh, participant. So with all of that said, that shows that I believe, but again, to play devil's advocate, somebody might say, well, <laughs> this was based, it was rooted in science fiction. Could it ever exist or will we just have an underwhelming uh, jetpack, which is actually water, made of water, not actually with the, you know, it's not a real jetpack or, hey, I like hoverboards. I'm not hating, but it's not what science fiction <laughs> promised us, right? So where do you stand on that? Do you think uh, this could uh, really be a reality, the metaverse vision? <laughs> it's, it's very good that you ask this because I imagine not only you, but many will ask this question. And it's on top of minds of, of, I guess, even the majority of people. Um, to that, I usually tell you this. If there's one constant in this world is that we are always moving forward, right? 
sometimes we as humanity, we take a a step back, but in the end, we make two steps forward. And if we look at the history of humankind, this is practically a given. So if we keep innovating and we keep exploring what's possible, having in mind that this is a fact, how can we believe that the internet in its current stage is done, that we cannot improve it further? I, I don't believe in that. And if we look at the next logical step for the internet, it is that its experience becomes much more immersive and closer to the user. If you've ever experienced the power of immersive content, especially as part of video games, I mm-hmm. think making the connection that this will enable the next stage is almost certain. Let's look at a page of content from Wikipedia, for example. Today, right. if I read about, let's just pick a random topic of Pompeii, it might mm-hmm. be relatively interesting. But now imagine in a metaverse where you can actually travel with your friends directly from the comfort of your home. Like you mentioned, just with also, for example, traveling to India, traveling to Pompeii and look at everything that happened there firsthand, experiencing information becomes so much more engaging and natural. Right. And, and I think I realized that potential of VR technology when I was uh, playing a game called Half-Life Alyx a while back. So it's yes. arguably the most sophisticated VR game out there today. And it's incredibly immersive. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of to improve, but especially towards the end. And no worries, I won't spoil anybody here. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a scene where I just stood there and I was stunned by how incredibly epic all of it was. I mean, it's really hard to describe to anybody that hasn't right. witnessed it. And I highly, highly, highly recommend if you have kids that have a VR headset or you have one collecting dust somewhere, try it out and try to imagine what's possible if we give this tech like 10 more years. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that all makes complete sense. And I'm definitely excited about all this world, you know, where virtual reality, augmented reality truly interact. But here is a little reservation I have myself. So I am a big Disney fan. Right. And recently I had the opportunity for my birthday to go to Disney World and I got to enjoy Soarin', which makes you actually feel like you're Soarin' above uh, the Great Wall of China, the pyramids, Everest. You're all in there. And that was a ex- great experience. I did not feel dizzy. I actually felt fantastic in that experience. But then I also got a trip, went to, on a trip to Disneyland and again, big Star Wars fan. And the whole time I I actually got really dizzy in the space loop and uh, I had to look at R2D2 the whole time and not actually at the screen because it was making me feel dizzy. And which was quite interesting to me because actually I am a roller coaster fanatic. I love the scariest, craziest roller coasters. I enjoy bungee jumping. I never get seasick. I never, I'm not afraid of heights. And all of a sudden I was in this experience and that was making me feel dizzy. That's number one. Number two is uh, the fact that whenever I do put the VR headsets on, it just doesn't feel right, you know, and I, I don't know how to quantify what feel right exactly means. You know, I know you are wearing glasses. I wear contact lenses. Sometimes uh, uh, the resolution doesn't feel right. It just feels grainy. It doesn't feel quite okay. So, you know, it, it is there, but it's not there. It's not the real world yet. So, thoughts on that the fact that it's there but it's not quite real and one more point actually right uh i don't know how your experience has been with the avatar systems we have had bitmojis all of these even the meta now has some none of my avatars uh carl ever look like me (laughs) i can never get my eyes my hairstyle which is wavy hair not curly not straight they, they, they look like somebody else. They don't look like me. They look like Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts on that? Uh, like the fact that it does, just doesn't feel right. 
Yeah, um, let me start with the avatar system because actually I had a very similar experience just today. I was setting up my avatar for another uh, meeting in like an hour where we are actually joining a SAP virtual space. And I had the, exactly the same experience. I had like <laughs> five different hairstyles and I was like, okay, they, mm, not really looking like myself, but that's no. fine, I guess. So on that end, I would just give uh, it the doubt of time and hope that at some point there comes an innovation along where it just gets more and more realistic. Right. I can, for example, uh, recommend looking at Epic Games is MetaHuman project where they mm. are trying to build more realistic avatars. Um, the second thing before I jump into the main content of the question is I absolutely love Star Wars as well. I'm a huge nerd and we yes. have to catch up on that after this. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> and uh, the third thing is, and I think you mentioned this, you you feel many people feel sick when they when they are trying this on right it's a point that many people are experiencing right now and i this phenomena in itself has a specific naming it's called vr sickness mm. so there is no universal agreement yet on what is the cause of this um, there is a common theory that basically says your brain is realizing that something isn't quite right that something yeah. something is not as you see it right so that's a very highly simplified thing there are other theories out there. So, for example, that, um, like you said, resolution or refresh rate of your display has something to do with it. O overall, number one priority for this tech is to trick your brain as much as possible, to be as realistic as much as possible, and to take away this obvious uh, virtual being of, of yeah, you recognize basically that you're in a virtual world. Right. Problems like these are exactly the reason why I'm saying Metaverse is still maybe more than a decade away. VR right. has to reach a level of maturity and immersion where it becomes less distinguishable from physical reality. And I mean, we are already making good progress. For example, my sister had a virtual reality headset on her head a while back and almost immediately had to throw up. Now, oh, wow. I bought a more modern headset and it's called the Valve Index. It has a higher resolution. It has a very high screen refresh rate. Mm. And she could stay in that for over an hour without big issues. So the bottom line here is let's wait until the hardware has progressed further along and try to not judge too early based on right. some of the earlier concepts, which are a bit... And to round this off, my opinion that VR and AR will be the main gateways into the metaverse is far from universally accepted in this space. There are many, many thought leaders in this space that in fact put more emphasis on the 3D rendering part. Yeah. So independently, if you look at the 3D space on your mobile phone, your computer screen, or ultimately a VR headset. Hmm. Absolutely. You know, you bring up a great point and you really got me thinking about that, that yes, our brain is so smart that it tells us like, okay, this does not feel right. This is not right. It's not actually happening. But that actually sent me back to Disney and uh, to this ride, which I highly recommend to anybody who goes to, uh, I, I think it's Animal Kingdom. It, it's at the Avatar ride on that. And, uh, you know, you get to be a Navi and you get to experience their uh, uh, initiation ritual and uh, ride uh, this uh, creature. And in that one, I actually did not, don't, do not remember actually feeling dizzy, even though it was going up and down, the creature was like all over the place. And I think the reason that was happening is that the virtual world was also giving signals to the real world for the lack of a better word. And you mentioned hardware, right? So the whole time that I was moving up and down, I was getting heptic feedback on my legs and on my arms. So I could actually think, oh, there's a creature right below me. It was not a creature, it was like a bike. But at the same time, the fact that I was getting this physical feeling and you know, um, having water thrown in my face, it was like, okay, this is real. And that very reason made me not feel as dizzy. So I think, yeah, you're, I totally believe when you say that, okay, it's just a matter of time, we're getting there. you know. And the more the, this virtual world through whatever means will mimic 
what actual experiences feel like, the closer we will get. Regarding the haptic feedback you mentioned just there, I have to chime in there for a second because this is also I haven't even mentioned yet, which is uh, also VR is getting more interesting if you combine mm -hmm. it with other stuff, right? There is haptic feedback stuff in the making. There's a vest that you can put on that basically stimulates your muscles that makes you feel touch in virtual reality. There are gloves that you can put on to really feel objects from meta. Um, so all of these things are developed. So I think as we go on also that part of the coin, this flip side of the coin is also happening, right? Not only the headset, but also the gear around it. Yeah. And to throw a curveball our way, uh, I just randomly thought about that. <laughs> could we, seeing how realistic things are getting, could we be moving towards a Black Mirror rest future? Or is that way too dystopian? We don't have to worry about that right now. Maybe we'll cross that bridge when we get there. What is your opinion? Just yeah. spitballing here. I mean, a lot is possible, right? But uh, <laughs> let's let's for now for now focus on on the more ideal vision of the of the yeah. metaverse. I I think there are many fictional pieces out there where you can be a bit more pessimistic around this. But <laughs> right. I tend to be an optimistic person, right. so yeah, let's see. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, the Jedi way. It'll be positive. Yes. So with that, what is SAP and our big SAP ecosystem doing in this space? Yeah, let me start with SAP and then go over to the ecosystem. So I would differentiate between the capabilities that we as SAP have and how our customers might approach us today. So like I outlined at the start, the metaverse topic has bigger overlaps with distributed ledger technology and immersive technology. And in both areas, we as SAP have incredible talent. And I had the pleasure to get to know many of them over the past couple of months. So for example, we have a dedicated XR team, so extended reality team, and they are building fantastic mm. applications like the warehouse picker in Unity on Unreal. And wow. although the warehouse picker is not a metaverse application, but rather an example of how to support a warehouse worker with augmented reality on quickly finding the right packages and directing them where to put them, it is still a testament to right. the teams that are building these exceptional XR apps and to help our customers run their business better. And on the distributed ledger technology side, we also have talented teams like the team behind Green Token. Uh, this started off as a project with palm oil producers in Southeast Asia. And there we basically applied blockchain to make their supply chain more transparent and prove to potential buyers that the palm oil that, that was that was bought was harvested, harvested sustainably, that the environment wasn't damaged in the process and that farmers were paid fairly. And this project is now looking to innovate supply chain transparency far beyond this into a variety of other industries. So I suppose what I want to say is, although these examples are no metaverse apps examples right, per right. se, we have amazing talent that has the right skills to support metaverse use cases in the future. And in the meantime, if a customer looks for our guidance on how they can approach the metaverse topic, I highly recommend engaging through our human-centered approach to innovation, where we explore the potential impacts of technology. Mm -hmm. And to our, we map it to our customers' industry and then discover how this impacts our customers in the long run to develop something that has an immediate impact on their business model. So, and the last bit of your question, just quickly touching on that because I'm already uh, mumbling on for <laughs> far too long <laughs> with regards to the ecosystem. Now, I mean, I could really spend hours on oh, the incredible yeah. stuff our ecosystem is doing in this space, but and on top of our business technology platform. But let me just highlight one awesome example, which is Accenture. And since the pandemic has started, Accenture has bought over 60,000 Oculus 2 VR headsets for their employees to experience wow. virtual reality firsthand. And 
And they also developed the virtual onboarding process. So it's truly fascinating. And I can only recommend reading up on the stuff that, that Accenture is also doing in the space. Beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll uh, go searching for what Accenture is doing. And I will be linking that in the show notes below. And, you know, you said human-centric approach. And that was so fascinating to hear because anybody who is skeptical about the concept of metaverse, some, some of the comments I often read on social media, they say, oh my God, you're going to create a creepy dystopian world like The Sim, but it'll be 3D. So do we really need this, this weird social network which make people far more distance from, from each other? But what the examples that you gave, whether it be a green token or the other examples that you mentioned, uh, the warehouse example, for instance, those are very real applications, very real use cases that make a difference in our world, the real world, right? Same thing with an onboarding that could be virtual, but people don't feel like they're so far away from each other, right? Like my uh, new career, my new job, I have not met my team in person in the past two years. I actually, some of them I've never met in person, never shook hands with them, but I work with them day in and day out. So creating this kind of an environment that could be really a game changer for the human centric aspect. So with that, thanks for changing our minds on this topic, Carl. Anything that we haven't covered that you would like to share today? And where can our audience find you if they want to know more about the metaverse? First of all, thank you for the awesome conversation so far. I think the best place to follow me is on LinkedIn. Uh, I post regularly blogs with updates on the newest things I find and the new cool stuff. And if anybody has any questions, I'm always very happy to answer via chat on, on LinkedIn. And apart from that, I think the best resource you can find out there is, um, like I mentioned in between our conversation, Matthew Bolt's blog series. I can really recommend checking out that one. And to close it off, um, I would stay tuned for whatever SAP will come out with with regards to the metaverse in the next months or years. I, I think this is in a very exciting space. Like I mentioned, we have very talented people and there's a lot of opportunity here. Absolutely. There is a lot of opportunity. So thank you, Carl, and thank you to our audience for joining us on this small little journey into the metaverse. Stay tuned for more. Thank you. Thank you.